Welcome to Leaders and Legends of Online Learning, a podcast dedicated to the experts. Thank you for listening. Each episode, we'll be learning from the world's leading thinkers and practitioners in online learning and linking to ideas relevant to online teaching, working with online learners, and digital education. You can listen to the experts and check their profiles and link to some of their work on our website, www.onlinelearninglegends.com. I'm Mark Nichols, the interviewer in this episode. You'll meet Dr. Afsane Sharif in this episode. Afsane is an enthusiastic and scholarly instructional designer whose work focuses on quality and student access. She has over two decades' experience and is a strong advocate of the value instructional design adds to online education. I'm talking with Dr. Afsane Sharif, who's instructional designer, e-learning specialist and project manager with the University of British Columbia. Afsane works with members of faculty to develop online courses and is well recognised for her work in Canada as one of the top 90 Canadian researchers in the area and for her work with the Canadian Network for Innovation in Education. Afsane, it's a real pleasure to be talking with you. Great talking to you, Mark, and it's a pleasure to be here as well. Thank you. Can we start with a brief overview of your career and online teaching? Sure. Um, I've been involved and engaged with online learning more than 20 years now um, in different roles as a student, instructor, instructional designer, producer, subject matter expert. Um, I immigrated to Canada in 1997 and went to school and got my first job at Open Learning Agency. Um, The first project I started working on was about immigrants' experience in Canada. So um, Mm. it was very meaningful for me uh, to get engaged with that project. And it was about designing online resources. So I got more engaged and more interested in online environment. And imagine 22 years ago, the online um, learning was looking totally different. Mm-hmm. I know that some of the classes or some of the courses offer um, through Open University, which was part of Open Learning Agency, we, uh, we were sending documents or um, customized material to students and they would uh, fill it out and do their assignments and mail it back. And uh, it was a different format While I was there, um, I got engaged to different projects, taking different roles, and I did my master in educational technology online, fully online through UBC, Mm. and got more and more engaged with online environment. From production perspective, I was one of the members of their instructional design and research group, engaged and working closely with subject matter expert as well as instructional designer but I was um, mostly focusing on the production, um, mm-hmm. tagging the courses um, in SGML, producing them in different formats. So I got more and more engaged with that. And then in 2006, I moved to another university, Simon Fraser University, in different role as a mostly content writer. And I think that I was lucky. Um, I was getting different roles while I was working with online environment as a writer, as a producer, as a student, and then joined UBC in 2006 as an instructional designer. In 2006, while I was working with content and I got more involved um, kind of coordinating now online program, fully online program. And I, while I was working as an instructional designer, the things that I'm doing, I, I wasn't sure that if I'm doing it right, is it a good practice? 
Is it a way for me to get the students more engaged? How can I um, get them, you know, to do this activity uh, in a more authentic way with more interaction? So with that saying, um, I was lucky to meet one of the visitor scholars from Spain then to encourage me to do my PhD in online environment. Um, Mercedes Gisbert from URV in Spain, she mm. looked at my work at that time and she said that, oh, you should do your PhD because you are constantly looking to solve some of the issues that exist in online. That mm. was uh, when I started digging more into instructional design model, uh, standards for online environment, quality of online environment, and seeking for some guidelines, some of the um, challenges that as an instructional designer I was facing at that time. And I was lucky, uh, the examination committee, one of the members was Tony Bates. The, my thesis was about quality of online courses. So with that saying, I started looking at different um, perspectives and different factors that involve with quality of online courses. One of them is that Instructional designer role is always unseen or with the ambiguity, we always face so many um, challenges. I would say that we were invisible. In some cases it was good, but mostly people would refer to us as a technical staff, like forgetting about our pedagogical um, expertise mm -hmm. and competency that we would bring to the field. So with that saying, I started developing a framework for quality of online courses. When I started looking at that, I thought that all the online material needs to be accessible. And I tried to see that who are my learners. I might have a student who has some hearing problem. I might have a student uh, who might not be able to have a good internet connection. So I look mm. at accessibility as well. I look at the quality and coming with some framework. Look at different phases that um, you get involved uh, through production of an online course. And for each one, I did different research and my publication is mostly focused on those components. And I like to explore and walk in uh, people's shoes in different roles. So to, what are the challenges for online instructor? What are the resources that they need to be able to feel comfortable in an online environment? Mm -hmm. And what are the challenges that students might have? Um, and taking it from there. Uh, I was lucky to have uh, taken different roles and to see things from different lenses to understand online environment, its challenges, as well as um, opportunities and benefits through different lenses. Mm, that's absolutely fascinating. So it sounds like you've done it all in, in terms of instructional design. You've done the media, uh, you've done the project management, you've been the subject matter expert, and of course you've been a student as well. Um, exactly. Can you tell us a bit about the range of courses that you might have worked on over those uh, 20, what would it be, 23 years now? Well, you know, I've been involved with development of different courses in trades, um, developing courses in dental hygiene program, like, you know, for um, dental hygienists, Master of Educational Technology, working with Faculty of Arts, and as well as law. Um, within that, um, the role that we take, um, and we are now in Center of Teaching Learning Technology, we take um, different projects from different faculties. So my experience always as an instructional designer, 
I think that there are so much opportunities, so many benefits of integrating technology in the right way into mm -hmm. the curriculum. And it doesn't matter what the subject is, what matters is to understand a learner's needs, to be able to connect with them and make sure that instructors are comfortable to deliver that and create that connection. I know that uh, um, in the past I had so much trouble. It was very challenging for me to convince that, oh, look at this online um, course. It's really good if you move to online. And most of the time the answer you hear is that, no, it's not possible my subject. And, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it would be hard to go online. And we did it. Um, most of the educators around the world, if they, they move to online within two weeks um, or some of them um, in a weekend. So there are so much possibility and potential within online environment. And I think it's if it's used properly. Yeah, but that is the challenge, isn't it, to, to use it properly? Yeah, um, exactly. Can you t tell us a bit about your work with faculty? Because I'd imagine not all faculty are keen to enter into the online environment. Um, some faculty, I'm sure, are actually used to keeping their subject to themselves and dealing directly with their students. So how do you navigate that uh, when a faculty member is perhaps less keen to uh, enter into the online space? I, I think that in the past, it, the, the challenge was more, but recently it's getting better. I think the challenge is that um, not only about faculty, is when people are not comfortable to change um, and resistant to change. Uh, I've been teaching for like 15 years in, in a face-to-face -face environment and things are working and I don't need to be worried or anxious about some of the challenges that technology might fail then you just continue. And some people, like some instructor, had the challenge to say that, oh, Afsana, I've taught this for long, um, so I'm pretty comfortable with what I'm doing and it may not go well in online, the subject is different. In mm. some cases, uh, when we started developing online courses, I had this challenge of talking with the instructor and say, well, you know, I think you don't need for the a discussion forum for your course because within 30 weeks it might be too much you don't see any activity at the end it would be their decision to move ahead some of the um, promising practices that I would share it was um, in their hands whether to follow it or not but one practice that I would do and I encourage everyone to do is that at the end of each development I would send a note to instructor to say that Here's what we discussed, Here's what I would say, I'd like to get back to you and let's chat after six months to see how the course went. And, you know, to go through something like Addie model or what we call PetPy, uh, um, kind of looking at uh, production and from production to evaluation. So after six months, I would get in touch with them and sometimes they would say, oh, you were right. Um, <laughs> the discussion didn't work. And, you know, some of the things such as accessibility, providing alternative text for materials, those are the things that I always like to mention and um, encourage instructor, like recently, um, mostly about OER, accessibility, inclusion, and diversity. Mm -hmm. So some instructors are keen to learn and they um, take advantage of uh, existing resources. They like to get involved and collaborate with instructional designer and some of them resistant. But I think that now people pay more attention to these <laughs> kind of roles.
Mm. Not that I'm not in that role anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, Afsana, you've, you've published a lot. Uh, you've obviously done your PhD. There'll be publications resulting from that. Can you give us some idea as to the ideas and themes for online learning that your work provides, the sorts of insights you've learned over the years and published about? I, I think some of the things I would say that the two things that um, it's really important for me is that um, I think that designers or instructors, they need kind of a guidelines to say that where should I start, how should I start, and what are the things that I need to at least as a beginner to watch for mm. when I design mm. an online course. So I created um, through my um, PhD some, a framework for quality of online uh, courses, which was adopted from um, Quality Matters with their permission, as well as uh, other framework. The only difference is that the one that I develop is not a fixed and it's changing because um, what, and I believe that what is important now, it might be less important in two mm -hmm. years or um, might be modified significantly in two years. So there are some core values, some core um, items that is listed in that framework, but it's changing. Another thing that I think is very important for online environment is accessibility um, and considering different learners' needs when it comes to instructional materials that go online. I've done um, publication about lifelong learners, students' needs, and different factors that involve quality of online, such as even culture um, or the practices that people bring to um, online environment as an instructional designer. I might have some biases, some um, cultural values that when it comes to online, I have to have some guidelines to make sure that what is good, how can I um, connect with the learners, how can I understand instructor needs, what would be the outcome of this course and focus on that. I also try through my publication, bring attention to the challenges of instructional designers about the ambiguity of their roles, about their challenges. I think the education, people coming to instructional design field from different backgrounds, considering mm -hmm. education as well as um, work experience. So I, I try to explore that by engaging with more instructional designers. Yeah, I lead a, a large team of instructional designers myself with Open Polytechnic. So I'm very interested to pick up on your last theme there, uh, the advice to instructional designers, because as you point out, it's not a very well-defined role in many instances. Uh, in, in some cases, you're working for a faculty member and others you're working with a faculty member. Sometimes a faculty member will be working with you. Uh, what, what sort of advice do you give to instructional designers, those who are new to the field? I, I think that um, each of us as a designer, we have a unique approach that is based on the like diverse background, education and work experiences. But what I would encourage and through my uh, findings I emphasize on is that creating um, a community of practice for instructional designers. That's what I did about 10 years ago at UBC and is still as active. What I mean by that is that through that community of practice, um, it used to be face-to-face -face now, we are, um, we are having it online. We invited um, people who provide support to faculty members or who are involved with developing materials to go online or in blended format into one session meeting. And we would, uh, it would be show and tell kind of activity. People would bring their design challenges to discuss, oh, by the way, I'm working on this project and this um, 
macro-credential program, here's what we do, mm. what are your feedbacks? Or someone else would say that here's a new tool we are uh, testing and this is the result, anyone interested to collaborate. I think that um, it's good to connect with your colleagues within your institution. And I'm hoping mm. to be able to even make it broader to do it provincial, we used to do that. and national and international, to be connected. I mean, we instructional designers need to be more connected and collaborate so that we don't come and start from scratch, but mm -hmm. we exchange knowledge, we build on each other's knowledge and uh, we move forward. So one would be to look for, um, you know, allies to create that community, to be connected, to know what's going on, what are the challenges, what are the uh, hot topics, what are the new tools, what are the good practices. The second would be, again, I'm a person of um, collaboration and network, um, yeah. to, to look for um, possibilities to, to disseminate your findings. I think that in our role, we have so much challenges on responding to faculty needs that we don't get time to reflect. And I think it's important mm -hmm. in this particular role to reflect to share what we are experiencing and document it so that other um, people might actually say, oh, I'm experiencing exactly the same thing. Maybe we should get together and come up with some solution. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so like, as I say, like creating things that can be shared um, and look at um, different factors involved. And I, in my uh, role, I think um, when I start developing a, any project, I spend a lot of time on the planning. I always say fail to plan is planning for a failure. Mm -hmm. So if you don't spend enough time at the beginning to engage all the stakeholders into the process, including the students, then you have a, a longer way and tougher way to, to go forward. So um, that's the small advice I can give. <laughs> That's excellent advice. Uh, I've seen it. You've, you've worked on dental hygiene, you've worked on trades, a whole range of different um, types, of course, you've put into the online space. Are there any uh, particular examples of what you've done that you're, you're actually quite proud of? Anything that you might highlight as being something quite clever that you've done in the online space, something that um, is, is very creative and innovative? Uh, I would say that um it's not about me saying that it's innovative, but I like the way that the potential that we have in online environment and in each course, um, because I take each course or each program one by one and work on it, I think mm. on its own, it's very creative. But I, I would say a few things that I'm really proud of is that we had a, a project with our faculty of arts uh, developing 17, 18 um, online courses um, within a two years period. And mm. with that, uh, because we started from scratch, I met with the production group and the team over there to see that how we can be more inclusive in our approach and make things more accessible. So mm. we started connecting with our um, access and diversity office then. Um, and we got one student who was uh, visually impaired to use uh, using JAW as a assistive technology. So whatever mm. we develop, we were communicating and asking him to go through the course. And I think that one day I was sitting next to him and um, asking, asking him to navigate throughout the course. And I really love hearing him saying that, oh, I see the image because he was reading the alternative text. So that was a good moment mm. for me. Mm. 
to see the value of uh, to make things more accessible for those who need it. Um, I think that um, other things that I can see is that um, involving students as a producer of content. And I think it's not only me, it's mostly team approach where instructors use technology that bring in students as a producer and um, involve them as a partner in the production of a course. So the course is kind of the content and the um, uh, engagement or activities co-produced uh, by um, engaging a student into the process. So those are the things. When the students are more engaged, they are involved in the curriculum development. Um, I-, I like those kind of um, activities and innovation. Mm, excellent. So Afsana, it's now early 2021. Um, COVID, of course, has swept the world and there's lockdowns in various places. A lot of people are also moving quite quickly into the online teaching space. What are your observations about online learning and education at the present time? Well, in my opinion, COVID-19 was a fast forward button for online learning in Mm. our education system. Um, causing university pay more attention to online learning, to think about online learning in their strategic planning, uh, offering more program and courses online and uh, mm. providing more choices for students. Um, I think that with COVID-19, also it pushed faculty members and the staff out of their comfort zone. Although it was with the stress, anxiety, but pushed us in a good way to get our hands dirty with online. So um, I see it that way. Although I should acknowledge that we are not living a normal life. We are surviving a pandemic. Um, Therefore, we don't really, I can say on my own that I'm not 100% myself because um, I'll bring anxiety, stresses and other things uh, causing by pandemic to online environment. So we need to acknowledge that. And what we saw in March, 2020, I wouldn't call that as an online learning. It was emergency remote teaching. Mm. And what I see um, right now, I see more collaboration. I see um, more attention to possibilities of online learning. And I'm hoping that we can emerge more um, creative. And I believe we will emerge more creative than we enter the um, pandemic. And I hope that Mm. we emerge more appreciative of online learning and its potential that we enter this period. Um, With what I see right now, there are possibilities that online learning can go really, really well on its way to develop, uh, like we will see more programs and courses online. But I fear that some people who didn't have proper resources, time to reflect, budget, they might call a three hours synchronous Zoom and online learning Mm -hmm. um, and take it from there and to say that no, online learning is not good or it's not something that we want to continue. So it depends how people experience that. And I think this is a great opportunity that people in our role as an instructional designer with the instructional design background to take this opportunity, introduce these phases of online design, um, promising practices, frameworks with colleagues 
And I see that many of instructors are also taking the role of instructional designer to look at it, to see that how we can make the best of these features, tools in online environment to give our students more choices to connect and learn. Mm. So there's definitely an ongoing need for instructional designers, in fact, especially at this time. Yeah, exactly. Sunny, you've done a lot of research yourself and no doubt you're uh, well uh, aware of the sorts of research that's going on there at the moment. What's the research you'd most like to see done now? Uh, what are some of the gaps that you would uh, like to see filled by publications? Um, the research or something that I'd like to see happen, I think that one would be focused on creating national community or hubs for online strategy guidelines and resources. Mm -hmm. I think that we need more um, a body that can bring all the resources and expertise in online together so that we don't work in isolation. I mean, everyone, each institution is doing absolutely excellent. And with COVID, I've been amazed by the amazing work and the way that people collaborate and creating things. But I thought that if we had a, a way that we could connect to say that, oh, such and such university has already developed this, so I don't need to create from scratch. Let's see what they've done and consult and collaborate and build something else in our context, but it's modified and, you know, so it's um, kind of uh, using our resources in a better way. And we need kind of a national community and hubs where I can go and say, oh, I'm very engaged with the universal design for learning um, and accessibility. Who else in Canada is doing it or even making it international and then connect with those people to be able to collaborate and work together. And I think that would help. I think the second thing that I've been thinking, and it's kind of referred to what Stephen Downs was mentioning, I think that we, we need more kind of a study or dig into like redefining success in education. And what I mean by that is to get to know our students more, their parents, employer, government, and to see how we can connect this. I, I think that we need to have more community-based learning, community-based approach, community-based strategy. And when I say community is starting from our home to our neighborhood, to our community, university, province, and um, global. So like taking more kind of a collaborative approach, those are the two things that I think this is the time to look at it, to see that what is it exactly this generation is looking for? and to dig in and to find and respond to those needs. If you look at what we have done, I, I think that one of the things I always do is that comparing things with 30 years ago. And I would say that if you look at your clothes, look at your telephone, you look at your TV, <laughs> it's so different. Um, mm. Even look mm. at our um, generation, their behaviors, the way that the new generation spend their time. And look at our classroom. Our classroom are the only things that they haven't changed that much mm. comparing to 30 years ago when we talk about in-person classroom. So it is time for us to look and to say that what is our education and what is success in our education? How can we get to know uh, better our students and uh, learners' needs and respond to those. And I think that's only possible by providing them with more options and choices so that they can pick. Mm, some very big themes and big challenges there. Exactly. 
And uh, perhaps one other thing would be emergency educational plan, um, something that um, we don't get as stress and panic as we became, a strategy or research to be done that we are ready um, and we prepare no matter what to do things with less stress. Perhaps what if uh, we don't have internet for three weeks or power is out? Can we still function? Can we still continue our education? So mm-hmm. those are the things. Mm-hmm. Lots to explore, lots to do research. Absolutely. Let's finish with mention of some of those folk who've influenced your thinking about online teaching practice. So you have mentioned some already. Uh, are there any other individuals you would single out as being particularly influential on your own thinking and practice? I've been engaged with so many wonderful people in online. I think because my 20 years is was fully online program and blended. So I was um, lucky and uh, fortunate to be in touch with many of the people that you have in your um, series um, and you already interview. But a few mm. people that I can say, one is Brita Moshtahadzadeh. She is uh, one of the founder of Virtual School of Tehran University. Um, mm. I like the way that she become, uh, she's very creative, creating and leading their MOOC platform and developing guidelines for the quality of uh, their virtual program. Another person is John Les Prons. Got to know him through Commonwealth of Learning, and now he's working mm. details with the Minister of Education. And one of his work um, responsibilities is integrating technology into the education system for seashells. There are absolutely many other people um, internationally, and I just try to name a few internationally rather than Canadian, like Mercy Gisbert in Spain. There are so many great people, as you know, and George Bellizino, a professor of Canada um, and researcher in innovative learning and technology from Royal Roads is another one. Excellent. Afsan, it's been a real pleasure uh, listening to you and also learning from you. Uh, You're clearly a leader and legend of online learning, and thanks very much for your interview. Thank you for your time, and thank you for um, inviting me. You can learn more about Afsane and her work from our website. That concludes this episode. Be sure to go to our website, www.onlinelearninglegends.com, to follow up on this episode's guest. You'll also find links to others whose ideas continue to inspire and teach online learning professionals, and you can subscribe to future interviews. If you know of a leader or legend we've not yet talked to, please do drop us a line at onlinelearninglegends at gmail.com. 